Welcome to The Vent Room, where respiratory therapists can come and get a little inspiration. I'm your host, Dr. Tabitha Dragonberry. Today, we're talking with Matt Davis. He is an industry professional working as a sales specialist. We're happy to have you with us today, Matt. Thank you for having me. So we met back in... Oh, several. I can't even don't know even when, but it's a long time when I was living in the D.C., Virginia, Maryland area. We were both highly involved with our state societies. Can you give the audience maybe a little bit more background? Because I know I know you already. Sure, sure. So like you said, I am a respiratory therapist. I went to York College of Pennsylvania for respiratory school, graduated in 2000. Um, and I have been a respiratory since then. I worked at Hershey Medical Center for the first five years or so of my career and then decided I wanted to do travel respiratory and um, took a travel assignment down at University of Maryland for six months, I believe they were doing back then and uh, went there and uh, never left. They hired me as the education coordinator within maybe five months of being there. And I was there for a good 10 years or so. And then in 2015, I went over to the dark side to do vet sales, care fusion. I was now by air. And yeah, I've been doing medical device sales for the last four or five years. Which is kind of funny because my next question is many people believe transitioning to industry is moving over to the dark side. So what's your take on this? Oh, absolutely. So I was vendor call. All the vendors would call on me. And they, everybody that would come in would always insist, Matt, like you have to come to do sales. Like you're a smart person, you're energetic, you're outgoing, like you have the personality to pick for it. And I would just simply dismiss them. Ha ha ha. That's not me. Like, thank you very much, but uh, have a nice day. I don't want to do that. Just because I, I, you know what? I was ignorant. I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. You just, it was a perception of, hey, sales reps are annoying. I don't want to be the annoying guy running around in a suit begging people to buy my products. Like, that's just not, that's not why I got into respiratory. Like I got into respiratory because I want to be a respiratory therapist. So like has this perception of, of being the dark side or like, it just has such a bad um, taste to it because yeah, part of the job is, is annoying. Like people want to do things in the ICU and they want to work in the NICU and they want to take care of patients or they want to be a manager and educator. They don't want to deal with sales reps being like, Hey, buy my product, buy my product. And yeah. Part of the job is being annoying. So it comes to this perception of like, you know, if you're, teaching respiratory or doing respiratory that's good and great but if you're this annoying sales rep like oh man that's annoying um so it's not always the most <laughs> positive thing sometimes but uh yeah it has the perception of being the dark side so what are the day-to-day -day responsibilities in your type of role one of the greatest things about doing this job is your schedule is super flexible it is what you make it to be um, now, obviously, your boss wants you out there on a daily basis, but you're making your own schedule. So what a typical day would be like, let's say I have an appointment down in D.C., right? So I'm going to try to work with that customer to get that appointment to be 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock so that I don't have to sit in traffic. Um, but then, yeah, a lot of on the road, driving by yourself, um, a lot of eating on the road. Um, but drive down, let's say I'm demoing a product, take that into the group. It's going to be there, whether that's just the director or whether that's um, a, a group of people that look at it, show them the product, typically 20 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, however long it takes to, to demo that product um, and, you know, and make small talk. And you know, that's a good side of the job is I get to see everybody. You know, when I just work in a hospital, you you see the people that you work with. But being the sales rep, I get to see every department in my territory. So that, that's always a good thing. And then, yeah, lug the stuff back out to the parking lot, load up the car and and get on the road. You know, all the meantime from 
6 a.m. till 8 p.m., 9 p.m., whatever you decide to shut it down, you know, while you're doing all of that, the demo and the travel, you still got to answer your emails, answer your phone calls. People are looking for products. People are looking for quotes. You know, we have a reporting system that we have to report back to, to our boss on, you know, when are, when are people buying stuff? You know, what are they buying? What's going on? You know, so we have a charting system just like you do in the hospital. It's a different, you know, name, but it's, you know, who's buying what? And you got to keep up that updated all the time. And, you know, that can be difficult, but that's typically what a daily, you know, a day looks like from get up 6 a.m., 7 a.m., whenever you get up, you know, start with emails and, and phone calls from that, depending on how much travel you have to do. Now, I, you know, I do cover other states. So sometimes it's, you know, six hours on the road, staying, staying in a hotel. Probably getting up the next morning, going to see a customer for, right? Like I, I cover a variety of products like an LTV. So they know what an LTV is. You can't really talk about it for more than 10 minutes. It's a pretty simple device, but somebody needs two of them. You show up, you know, you show them the product for 10 minutes and you know, get on the road for six hours. I think, uh, let's just think pre-work for this call, for this call with you. And I was just thinking about stuff that I would talk about and it's. Like I was vendor call in the hospital and they just show up at your door and, you know, I always try to do my best to give them five minutes no matter what. Like even if they rudely just showed up without an appointment, I would still just, okay, you have a job to do. Let me give you five minutes and that's what you get. But, you know, I watch many other people in the industry, other directors that I know or whatever, or just people that I work with who would also be like, these vendors would show up and they'd be like, I have a meeting. I, I can't meet with you. This has to be rescheduled. Well, you didn't realize that that person, you know, drove six hours, slept in a hotel, um, and then drove over here in the parking lot, went through all the stuff, lugged all this equipment to meet with you, and you just dismissed them. <laughs> like when I worked in the hospital, I never thought about it. They just showed up in my office and I was like, hey, you know, whatever. But, you know, especially when it's somebody's manager or some specialist that came in. Well, they might not, they, they might live in Chicago and they just flew six hours to see you. Yeah, from your perspective, you're like, hey, I'm busy, sales rep, go away. But like, they are part of our industry. And you know what? Like, that same person tomorrow when you're missing an oscillator circuit, because somebody in that line of who orders oscillator circuits missed, you know, misclicked something and didn't order an oscillator circuit. Now all of a sudden I'm your best friend and and you're calling me every day. <laughs> you know, I'm getting 22 emails because you need oscillator circuits. You know, the NICU is going to shut down. That's extremely important. However, yesterday when I flew six out, you know, I flew across the country to come meet with you and you didn't have two minutes for me. You know, it's, it's, it's important. You know, the sales reps, the vendors, they support what we do in respiratory, especially respiratory. It's very niche equipment that the rest of the hospital doesn't use. And it's very specific. And a lot of times it's one off stuff that only works. You know, I need this part number. And, you know, that's why the vendors are, are extremely important. Like how many patients could you take care of if you didn't get stuff from vendors that week? Like it would be, <laughs> be very quick to, uh, you know, if you didn't have ventilator circuits or if you didn't have suction catheters, like how fat, you know, how fast would the ICU shut down or just the whole hospital in general? So kind of got tangential there. Sorry. That's all right. I can feel the passion about it and kind of like realizing after the fact that, you know, those are those little things that you don't think about when you're the person working in the hospital on how far some of these people are traveling, because you said you cover a territory. It's not just D.C. local or Maryland. It could be several states and each company works their territories very differently. They might have one person to cover three states. Correct, right? So each 
but he's going to be completely different. So for me, I cover Maryland, I cover DC, and I cover the entire state of Virginia. And that's how my company does it for, for me. But um, now I have clinical support. So my clinical support person works with four reps. So my clinical support person supports from Maine down through Virginia. So to get that person to your hospital is, you know, again, they got to either drive, whatever, five, six, eight hours, fly down, stay in a hotel to come do an in-service because you needed, let's just say, an oscillator refresher, which is a common thing that people need. You know, it's a, it's a hard to use, low use item for some hospitals and uh, they need education. Well, I'll, you know, we'll spend all this effort to get this person here. And then one person shows up for the in-service and it's like, you know, when I, when you were, worked in the hospital, you're like, sorry, we're busy, like couldn't get there. But when you spin it around to the vendor's perspective, it's like, that's okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm worthless. I just, you know, spent Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday trying to get to your hospital to teach one person. Cool. And it's just, it, it's funny, like just the total different perspective that I, I just never thought about before. I, I can say that, you know, I, I, I have friends that work in the industry, but I've never really talked to them about like the everyday life of it. But no, I can totally understand that where, you know, I've, I've been there where it's like, oh, the vendor's here. It's like, well, I'm a little too busy right now. I need to take care of my patients. But at the same time, I think it's like a mutual respect where we should also realize that what's involved in all of that and being able to make sure that we make time for those people because they are professionals within our own industry. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, most of us are, are respiratory therapists and, you know, we worked at the bedside for years and, you know, a lot of times I try to, I try to tell my customers that, you know, like I am very well connected in respiratory and I, I know everybody. And I always tell people like, if you have a question about anything, just, just call me or email me, let me know. Even if it's not my product, I'm going to get you to the right person because yeah, I'm respiratory mad. We all know each other and I will get you the right answer. I know all the directors and I, you know, I can tell you what they're doing at hospital A or hospital B with this problem that you have. And again, it may not have anything to do with my product, but you know, we're all respiratory therapists and we're in this in this together. And it's just it's a whole different perspective when you're when you are in the hospital, you're like vendors. You know, what are you doing for Restory Care Week? What? What snacks are you bringing? Right. Back in the day, like you could set up Restory Care Week and it would be snacks upon snacks all the time. And like they don't realize, at least in the United States, the laws have changed and we have the Sunshine Act. And I can't just give, you know, I can't bring in food for 100 people. That's not legal anymore. And, you know, it has to be an educational activity. I have to take your license number and I have to report that to the federal government. It's totally legal, but that's the process for me to bring you food is right. I have to write down, you know, if some doctor meandered off the unit or some nurse came in and got a piece of pizza and I didn't report it, like we're all in trouble. And like the process to get food is astronomical, but it's hilarious. People that you'll email them and be like, Hey, can I come in and show you my product or whatever? And they don't even respond to your email, but then yeah, Restory Care Week comes and they go, Hey, what are you bringing for Restory Care Week? You're like, Hmm. <laughs> uh, nothing. Well, you, you got to treat your vendors well and realize that laws have changed. Cause I know that, you know, back in the day you'd go to a conference and you'd be like collecting pens galore. And now you go to a conference and you're like, lucky if you find a pen. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah, the, the, and the change for the right, right? Like you should be buying my ventilator because you want that product and not because, well, he brought the best food or, you know, and you all heard the stories of out of control things um, back in the day. And it's it, it's good for the process. But like, yeah, some people are still stuck in the old school ways and want free pizza. And you're like, 
really? Uh, <laughs> you're not because I didn't. What was your lunch today? Eight dollars. Like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so what's your favorite part about being in industry? I, I think that's what I talked about was it's there's a lot of freedom, right? I don't have to go log in for, a tw- you know, t- check in for a 12 hour shift. Um, it, a lot. Of, there's not a lot of work. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of driving by yourself, which is something that, you know, I used to hate doing. I hated driving. Um, but when I took this job, it was kind of became something that I needed to learn to love. Um, but I think my favorite thing is just I get to see everybody. And, you know, the people that you would only see at your state conference once a year, and you would only get 10 minutes with to catch up with now are people that I get to see all the time. So I really get to see everyone instead of just, like I said, the, the people that I work with. Um, but I think, you know, the favorite thing, my favorite absolute thing is when, when you close a deal is when you get somebody to buy your events and, and change over to that. It's a very exciting time when the, when 20 events get shipped in the hospital and there's cardboard boxes everywhere and you're putting them together and just to see the enjoyment out of, I I remember those days when we would buy, you know, new vents and it was the most exciting day and you're getting rid of your old product and the new vents are here and everybody's so excited and you're the favorite person in the hospital. Everybody can't wait to see you. And they're like, yay, new vent day. I think that's the most exciting thing. It's like a respiratory therapist on Christmas, right? opening up the new ventilators with the new toys. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, we all know those days. I mean, if you've had the if you worked in a hospital when those days have uh, happened, it's, uh, it's usually the most exciting day. Like, yay, new toys and put them together. And there's just it's a mess everywhere. Yeah, it's like Christmas Day. You got wrapping paper everywhere and trash everywhere and new toys and just this like huge level of excitement. It's, it's definitely the best day. It's kind of like Biomed's the dad putting everything together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And, you know, on this end, like. You definitely have a, a good relationship with biomed and, you know, I know where every biomed is in every hospital and, <laughs> you know, they order stuff and you're like, can you come put this together? And you're like, am I supposed to put that together? And they're like, yeah, go put the CyPAPs together. You're like, I don't know how to put CyPAPs together. <laughs> you go down to biomed and you can figure it out and yeah, it, it's exciting. Does someone need any special credentials or educational degrees or experience to transition to this side of respiratory care and industry? So that's specific company to company. But in reality, it's not like, right, we're not a light. The salesmen aren't licensed, right? It's not like I'm a licensed respiratory therapist where I need a state license to practice. You could hire anybody off the street if the company, if the company wanted to, right? It's you're going to, the hospital is going to cut a PO to the company. So it doesn't matter who the sales rep is. And it's a common conversation that we, we have in the industry. You know, you have, you have respiratory therapists and then you have people that just have a lot of experience in sales and aren't necessarily a respiratory therapist. And, you know, there's, you know, which one's better, you know, as a respiratory therapist, obviously I think that being a respiratory therapist is better, but I sell ventilators. It's a very complicated product to sell without having specifically respiratory therapy or medical background, right? You could be a doctor or a nurse or, or, or something like that. Um, it's going to be very difficult to explain what PRVC is. If you were selling suction catheters last week, like that's a very difficult transition and, and some people do it and some people are successful. Um, but you know, respiratory therapists tend to like to buy from respiratory therapists or at least other clinicians. Um, so that can be, a downfall. And when I meet a new customer that I don't know, you know, the first part of the conversation is, Hey, look, I am a respiratory therapist. So just so you know, like I do know what I'm doing. I do have clinical background and it's usually very, um, 
helpful. You can see relief in the person's face when you're like, Hey, I am a respiratory therapist. And, um, but absolutely you don't need training. There's no, if the company, if they're looking for people to sell, you know, they're going to hire, you know, whoever they want. And so we talk about, um, when Viagra came out, so they, you know, had medical sales reps, pharmaceutical reps, and it became so popular that they ended up having three reps per zip code. And they were just hiring people up. They were hiring people out of college, just hiring kids off the street because they needed to get whoever they could get because the drug was selling itself. And so it just depends on the, the product that you're selling, um, the interaction that you need to have. Right. If I'm just selling you um, a nebulizer, a generic nebulizer, um, you know, that's going to be based on cost. And it doesn't I don't need to come in as a respiratory therapist and you know, show you the difference and talk to you clinically about what the difference is. But if I'm selling you a ventilator, there are very specific differences. And, you know, that takes somebody that really knows the product, right? And that'd be, I think it'd be a little bit more difficult, but you know, every company has them. Sometimes you have somebody that's been in the industry selling stuff for 20 years and they transition over to ventilator sales and, you know, they, it's a long learning curve for them the first year or so, but you know, we always have clinical support and, you know, each team always has clinical support. So it gets down to trials and stuff like that. There's usually somebody that can step up. I know for me, one of the first questions I'd always ask the the sales rep when they were coming in to uh, kind of peddle their wares or show us what what's available or what we could move to, I always asked if the person was a respiratory therapist. For me, it made a difference because then they understand the day-to-day workings and challenges faced by respiratory in the workflow. So it made it easier that, you know, they can empathize or sympathize with what we actually go through. Yes, absolutely. And, and it, like I said, that's why I always try to let them know like, hey, I am a respiratory therapist and like, I'm a pretty good one too. So like when I'm going to give you my opinion or, or, or advice, it's, it's going to be solid. And, and sometimes it's, it's not my product. You know, my boss might shoot me, but sometimes it's your needs are this other product. And I don't want to lie to you and have you get my product and then you be unsatisfied six months down the road. So it's just like having that industry experience of why this product is right for you. And if I'm telling you that it's probably right for you and, you know, being able to back that up. And I I tell every customer when they buy from me that they, that they get me right. I was a clinical educator at a big hospital for, for 10 years. And I have a lot of experience training respiratory therapists. So when you, when you buy from me, you get me. And that, that makes a lot of people comfortable. You know, they're like, you know, we've all had sales reps where they're not respiratory therapists and they're like, Hey, you have to get this product. And then you get it. And you're like, Hey, this isn't working with my vent circuit. Like, what do I do? And they're like, I don't know. I'll call somebody. It's not very reassuring. It's always great to have somebody that you're like, Hey, you know, this doesn't align with this. And they're like, Oh yeah, you need this adapter. I'll send you, I'll send it over to you. You know, they just have the answer. So yeah. Like, like you said, you know, you hate to be like, Hey, are you a respiratory therapist? If you're not, I'm going to dismiss you. But in your brain, it just kind of works that way. Fortunately, it does. Is there any personality type that's more successful in this role? I don't know that anyone is fully qualified to answer that question. It's not like it's something that's been studied, but um, sure, they have, there's a lot of um, selling education, obviously, you know, not just in medical device sales across the world, there's sales all, all across and they look at different personality types um, that are successful and sales is definitely not for everyone. You know, you get rejected on a daily basis, um, sometimes not so nicely um, and you, you have to not take that personal. So some people, some people that 
don't like being rejected. Um, the job is definitely not for everyone. It's a lot of time by yourself. So you have to be able to like being by yourself, driving in a car by yourself, staying in hotels by yourself. Um, I couldn't imagine doing it with a family, um, with young kids at home. Um, being, you know, a lot of weeks you leave your house on Monday and you come back on Friday at whatever time you get home. And, um, so, you know, I guess it's not really personality type, but, um, you definitely have to be somewhat outgoing, right? You have to go talk to people that don't want to talk to you. Um, and that's part of the job and you know, they don't want to see you. Most of the time they do. Most of the time, everybody's very nice, <clears throat> but you definitely have to be outgoing and you definitely have to be, um, able to accept rejection. You have to be able to exist in an uncomfortable space. You know, you're going to walk into a room of, of 20 people. And three of them are going to like your product and 17 of them already have something else in mind that they want. And now these 20 people are going to discuss whether they want your product or not. And now you're in the middle of that conversation, <laughs> you know, and, and people are, are, you know, brand loyal. And, and uh, sometimes it's, it doesn't work in your favor. But uh, yeah, I would definitely say outgoing, but also very comfortable being in an awkward situation without shutting down. I know there's a lot of humans that when it gets awkward, they want to shut down and run away. And as a sales rep, you definitely can't do that. You exist in an awkward space all the time. <laughs> no, that's I mean, it's good to get the perspective from somebody who does it. Cause you know, I know that sometimes people are looking at they're on the fence of maybe taking that leap. And maybe that for some people it's like, Hey, that's okay. I want to go out of my comfort zone, go out of my boundaries and try it. And then there's other people that might, you know, kind of retreat to be like, Ooh, that's a little scary. What advice would you give someone who's interested in starting an industry job? So the best advice is the same advice you give for somebody in high school that's thinking about going to college for respiratory therapy. Like, hey, I heard about respiratory. Like, I want to do this. The advice I have for you is go shadow. And especially if you could do it at that specific company with the same specific job type. So if I was going to go you know, do ventilator sales for the, you know, company X, I would want to do a day with somebody that's doing that exact same job. And really get it, you know, so you can get a feel for it. It's like, hey, if you want to be respiratory, like you can read about it online or you can come do a shadow day in the ICU with our respiratory therapist and and see what it's really like. And, you know, just try to get a feel for that if that's something for you. Um, but if I my best advice is if you're thinking about going into the industry, go. Um, it's really something, you know, it was a decision I didn't weigh much on, but I never thought about it. I was always like, I never want to do that. I never want to do that until the opportunity came up. And I was like, why didn't I do this sooner? Um, like I said, it's not for everybody. There's a lot of travel. It's a not, there's a lot of stress. <laughs> not that there's not stress in the ICU, but that's a, it's a different kind of stress. Sure. I'm, you know, I don't have, I'm not coding a patient and it's not like anybody's going to die, but, um, there's a lot of stress involved in it. There's your job securities a lot less. Um, in, you know, in respiratory working in the ICU, as long as you don't anger somebody, violate an HR policy, or just, I don't know, not a lot of people have job security, you know, as long as you're not really messing up, you have good job security. You're not worried about, Hey, tomorrow when I come in, I might get laid off in sales. If you don't sell, um, you don't work and you don't get paid. I think that was a big thing. Um, I never understood when I worked in the hospital sales reps. 
get paid when they sell something. If they don't sell anything, they aren't getting paid. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you're thinking about getting into the industry, I think, you know, find a rep and, and talk to them, especially specifically at that job, doing the exact same job that you're doing and you know, spend a day or two or whatever you can with them. And just kind of get a feel for, you know, what's a day look like as a sales rep? You know, I am sales reps are continuously working. You know, it's like, well, when when do you work? I work when I'm awake, right? The first thing I do when I wake up is obviously check my mail to see if there's any check my email, not my mail, my email to see if there's any, you know, you kind of triage if somebody's like, hey, I'm at an oscillator circuit. It's like, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. I need to get to that as fast as I can. Or if somebody's just like, Hey, let me know next week. I can meet with you. Well, I can I can reply to that later when I get there. But you know, you work you work until you know um, ten o'clock at night or whenever you shut it down for the day. Um, and you know that's a decision you have to make. Sometimes it's you know it'll be Friday at four o'clock, and I'll be like, okay, I'm done. Close my computer, and everything else can wait till Monday. But you still have to check it. You know, I can't tell you how many weekends Saturday night at ten o'clock, and people are out of SIPAP, you know, circuits and we're the only ones that make them and that customer is not going to get something drop shipped to them on a Sunday. So the only way for them to get SIPAP circuits is for either me to get them and drive them to them or for them to call another hospital and hopefully somebody will lend them some. So, you know, it's like you're not working, but at the same time, you need to keep, you know, one ear open at all times to, to be able to, you know, I've done that plenty of times. Oh, you drove four hours to bring this to us? I'm like, yeah, there's really no other option unless you're going to leave your hospital, go to another hospital and get some. The only option for you to get some is for me to drive four hours on a Sunday and bring it to you. And I think that shows like the dedication and customer service that when you go into this kind of role, you need to provide. Because in the end, like you said, if you have a specific device, it requires proprietary items and you have to be able to get that to them if even if it's their own error of not ordering enough or maybe they had an influx of patients that they didn't anticipate for that period of time in that season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, you again, as a respiratory therapist, you never thought of the, the logistics of how a suction catheter gets to the ICU storage room so that anytime I want to change a suction catheter, I can just walk into this magic room and there's a suction catheter there. The, the number of people that that product touches and the amount of people in that whole process of ordering and shipping and all that stuff, there's, there's 25, 30 people in that line from it getting manufactured to ship to your, to getting in that bin. There's, yeah, it's touched by 25 people. And if anybody in that process, heaven forbid, called out a, called out sick or, you know, maybe that job role is open or just had a bad day and didn't click on something right. You know, now all of a sudden there's no suction catheters and, you, you can just imagine how fast that would shut something down. And so, yeah, like in respiratory, we have a lot of our stuff is very proprietary and only fits, you know, on this device and it, it needs to be there. And, you know, a good sales rep is going to make sure that they always have that product in there. So <laughs> a lot of times it's in your house. That's a fun part of being a sales rep. You have boxes of stuff everywhere. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> uh, this is my respiratory emergency storage, you, you know? If they're out of oscillator circuits, right, two options. Either you get them an oscillator circuit or they have to run to another hospital and beg for, you know, an oscillator circuit. <laughs> and they have to have the right one that fits their heater and fits their device and... It's, uh, you know, and, and the customers don't always know that, that, you know, hey, can, can I borrow an oscillator circuit from this, from this other hospital that uses it? Well, they use a totally different circuit than you use because they have a different heater 
or they use filtered circuits and you don't, you can't always borrow it from them, but uh, your sales rep will be able to get you the right product. And, you know, that's always a good thing. So I know you said we can reach out to like maybe a sales rep that's coming into your department to say, hey, can I learn about that position? But let's say one of the listeners wants to look for an industry position. Where should they be looking and what keywords should they be using in those like searches? Because when you're looking for respiratory therapist in a job search, usually it's going to kick you to your hospital positions. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You don't want to search respiratory. You're looking for medical device sales or health industry sales. Um, you know, there's, there's capital and non-capital, right? So your capital are typically ventilators and bigger things over $5,000. And then there's non-capital, which are your disposables, you know, from nasal cannulas to, you know, all the products that we use, even like nitric and stuff like that. Um, there's, you know, each hospital probably has, you know, 100 respiratory reps. Just if you think back to when you worked in the hospital, like there's a lot of reps that call on, on specifically respiratory. Um, yeah. Uh, if you're using a search engine, yeah, I would, I would definitely look for the word sales or medical industry sales or medical sales probably is the two good keywords to use. Um, I think so. And then also you have like your counterpart where is that clinical specialist, right? Somebody doesn't necessarily want to be on the sales side, but they want to be on the industry side. Some organizations have those clinical specialists that are doing more just the education. Absolutely. Right. So every company has clinical education support, whatever device that is, there's a clinical specialist. And that's actually that's a great point too. Like if you weren't sure if you wanted to get into um, directly into sales, which is, you know, a change of role going into clinical, becoming a clinical specialist um, is a lot of what I is a lot of what I do too, just because I was a clinical educator. Um, you know, when somebody needs an oscillator in service, I'll just go do that myself. And it, it gives me an opportunity to meet with you guys and understand your problems and you know, it also gives me an opportunity to see if there's a chance that I could sell you a product. You know, maybe you need a blender or, or something like that. So, um, but yeah, if you're looking to get into the industry, a clinical specialist is kind of a, a transition, right? Like you're on the sales team, but you're, all you're doing is clinical education, being a clinical specialist. And um, respiratory therapists tend to like those people a lot better. <laughs> they see them as on their side. And, you know, if you became an oscillator clinical specialist, like, you know, this product inside and out and you can teach other people how to use it. And that becomes your job. And it's kind of a transition, you know, halfway in between. You know, you're going to be in a lot of hospitals still doing respiratory, but you're not doing direct patient care. So that would be a cool, like, kind of transition. That's all very in interesting overall. I know... Um for me, I'm going to be looking at my sales reps a little bit differently and, and understanding all the work that they have put into to come to a hospital and maybe making sure that I get to that in service, knowing how far and, you know, they could have come from states away just to show us these this this information. So being more respectful of their time and understanding what they go through. Yeah, I mean, that's. Um, you know, I get, I get asked this question a lot, like throughout my career, I would always be like, man, why do you, how do you know all this stuff? Why do you know all this stuff? And it was always like, when, when the vendors would come to show you that product, they know, they know it so well. And if you just sit down and listen to them and ask them questions, they know what every little thing on that, on that, whatever product it is, they know every single, especially the clinical specialists, like they know all the little, like, what is this? What is this? They know all those answers so well. And then when you step back and remove yourself from that one level, it's like, 
well, how did you learn this vent? Well, like I came to this hospital and this other respiratory therapist taught me it. Well, what percentage of that original in-service did that person retain 10 years later when they're now teaching you how to use this, you know, BiPAP device or, or whatever it is now they're, you know, what percentage of that in-service did they recall? 50%, you know, they know how to put all the major settings in, set alarms, but they don't know all these side buttons that like, and they're giving you some half answer. But when you get to the vendor who only works with that product is trained by the people that made that product, they're the best. And it's just like sitting down and, you know, just asking whatever weird questions, you know, all the time. It's like when we show the awesome, one of my favorite questions is like, you know, how do you set the flow? And everybody's like, well, I just set it at 20. Isn't that what you do? And you're like, that person doesn't know any better because that's who, the way they were trained, right? And the person that trained the person that trained them, that's how they were trained. And it was just like, you don't get that educational reset until you sit down with the person that actually makes the product and is the rep from the company. And you sit down and you learn all these things and you're like, wow, I was doing this wrong and I was teaching it wrong. And I had no idea. I thought it was right because somebody told me, but I never like validated, checked it until yeah, you sit down with the rep and they're like, no, man, this is how you said it. And you're like, it's always so interesting to to just sit down with the, the clinical specialist and be like, yep, I had that wrong. <laughs> so I'm going to ask a question that might be a little bit taboo, which is in the industry, what is like the pay scale or what is something that someone can look at? Is there a base pay that people make? And then on top of that is the commission or is it all commission based? Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, I can only speak to like American culture, but it, it's weird to discuss how much people make. And in reality, it should be something that we're comfortable talking about. And, you know, it's a reason you go to work. You don't go to work because you love respiratory. I mean, you do, but you go to work because they pay you money. And you typically, you know, are looking for the job that pays the most money. If I interview at hospital A and hospital B and one's offering me $4 more an hour, I'm going to go work at that hospital. Even though the other one might be cooler, I'm going to go to the one that pays me $4 more per hour. So when it comes to industry, you know, it's something that is taboo, like you said, to talk about. But um, when you rank, you know, any profession, any industry, you know, what are the top performers in that industry? It's usually based on money and not, you know, job title. So in respiratory, where's the ability to make the most money? You know, we typically say, well, you could be a director, administration, stuff like that. But really on the industry side, there's an opportunity to make a lot of money. And in a sales role, each company, again, is going to do this completely differently, depending on the products that you're selling. They'll typically give you a base of somewhere between 50 and 60, 70,000, somewhere in there, um, so that you can at least pay your bills and you know not have to you know sell your house. You can at least still make your mortgage payment if you don't sell anything. However, um, you don't make any money if you don't sell anything. But if you are selling stuff, there's an opportunity there to make a, a lot of money. Um, if we talk, talk about vent sales itself, if somebody's the number one sales rep in the country, you're looking at a salary of you know three hundred thousand dollars, something in that range. On the you know depending on how their commission structure is set up. Now you may make that one year, and then the next year you don't have a good year, so you only make you know sixty five thousand dollars. But Again, like we talked about earlier, if you don't sell something, you don't make money. But when you do sell something, you know, there's an opportunity there for respiratory therapists and other people in this profession to, to make a lot of money. Um, it's, it's very money driven. You have to be money driven if you want to do sales. Um, 
Otherwise, you, you won't be successful. Um, like I said, there's not a lot of job security. If you, you know, you could be the greatest rep. And I, you know, when I first started out, I closed a really big deal early on, and it was like, great, congratulations, good job. And the next day, my boss called me on the phone and said, "Cool, what are you selling today?" And I was like, taken aback. I was like, "What? I just closed this big deal." And he was like, "That's not how it works in sales. Like, it's the answer is always more." And you know, okay, good job today. That ends today, and we're on to the next thing tomorrow. You know, in the hospital, if you are a good respiratory therapist and you do a good job, it's like you're branded as a good job and good job, Matt, and that carries forward. And you know, you're a good respiratory therapist, and that moves on. And sales, you're kind of disconnected from that. They don't, they don't care. And it's not that they don't care. It's like they're cold, but. As soon as you sell something the next day, everything resets and it's on it's on to the next thing. So it's continuous stress, but um, you know, not a lot of job security, but the opportunity to make money is, you know, in the industry, it's there. That's where the opportunity to make money is. I think the other thing to be aware of in industry is like territories restructure sometimes based off what's what's happening. Um, so that, you know, you might be covering, like you said, DC, Maryland, Virginia, but in a month from now, they'd say, you oh, know, here's another state that you have to cover as well. Correct? Correct. Um, and, and that happens. You, you know, again, you, you know, all these companies change hands all the time. And you might be working for a small respiratory business that gets bought by a bigger respiratory business and they decide your territory is different. Um, and, then, you know, that happened to me. You're, you're covering this hospital and in capital sales, it's a 12, 18 month buying cycle, right? People don't just buy ventilators. So, okay, we're going to buy new vents. They buy them today. It's a, it's a long process. And you might have something built into that territory and these two hospitals are going to buy from you. And then all of a sudden they change it over and they're like, oh, that's not your territory anymore. And then this new rep comes in and they get those ventilator sales. Yeah. You're like, okay, they just changed the territory. Thanks. And then you, you lose that and you lose the paycheck that comes along with it. And yeah, it can be frustrating. No, that's definitely interesting. It's a, it's a little bit of a different world. And I think that, you know, when you're looking at what motivates you, each industry is a little different. You know, a person who is in education has to be able to be motivated to deal with the students and, and laying the foundations for the future. Somebody that's a director has a different motivation um, when they're running a department and how to keep that successful. And then, you know, clinical specialists, they'll go out there, they'll educate, but they also tie it back to those sales reps because they are an extension of that team. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so, correct. On another note, what advice would you have for students and new grads starting out? Starting out in respiratory? Yes. Yeah. I mean, my advice to students, like say they're in respiratory school, starting out coming into respiratory is go to the big hospitals, go to the tertiary, quaternary care centers. Um, go there when you're go there when you're young. Um, you see too many people go to a smaller hospital and kind of get respiratory burnout and kind of get lost into the lost in the sauce. Go to the big place, learn all the things that you can learn, um, explore all the jobs because you you don't know what job you're going to want to do. You know, respiratory does so many different things and you can kind of see all of that at the big hospitals. Um, and then, yeah, if that's not for you and you, and you want to go work at a small facility, there's nothing wrong with that, but you should experience that um, at some point in your career. Maybe you love it. Maybe you hate it. You know, like working in the NICU sounds horrible and, but 
then you go work in the NICU and you, we all know people that love working with the babies and you wouldn't know that if you didn't go work with babies. You know, it sounds like, oh, I don't want to work with NICU. The NICU nurses are always mean to respiratory. You don't know that. You work in the NICU. It's one of my favorite places to work. And anybody that works in the NICU a lot of times ends up loving it. Or, you know, I don't want to do trauma because there's going to be blood everywhere and blah, blah, blah. And then you go do it and you're like, wow, this actually, I love this. Why would I want to do anything else? And I think if you don't give yourself that the chance to have that experience, you know, coming out of school, you're going to be working in respiratory for 40 years, you know, go explore and, and see all the great things that you can do. And, um, you know, try all the jobs out there. I, I would talk about this all the time. I used to teach pulmonary function in, um, at a college and, you know, the students, would always, it's not exciting. Pulmonary function is not exciting, but it's part of your exam. So here we have to do this. Everybody be like, PFT, I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, here's a fun thing they didn't tell you in school. When you work a regular respiratory job, you work every other weekend and every other holiday. So just remember when you're working New Year's and you're going Happy New Year while you're suctioning a patient, guess what? The PFT lab's closed and they work a regular schedule like Monday through Friday, eight to four, and they have a normal life. <laughs> so yeah, coming out, of, coming out of school, explore everything. You never know what you're going to love, but if you don't try all of it, you're not going to know what what the other side's like. And if you, if you try everything, then you know what, you know what, I like being a regular respiratory therapist on the floor, or I like working in the ICU, or I like working in the ER. If you, if you don't do all those jobs and you're not going to really know, right. You might be like, Oh, neuro ICU. That sounds so, ew, I, I don't want to do that. But then when you go work in the neuro ICU for six months and you know, learn about how mechanical ventilation affects, you know, cerebral perfusion pressure and you really get into it, maybe you love neuro. Um, but yeah, do everything and experience everything, especially when when you're young. I know one of uh, one of the schools I taught for had a very intensive um, PFT course, and our students would graduate, and the medical director would hire them right out of school, per diem to to keep up with their PFTs because they were so good at it, because they had such an intensive program. And again, yeah, it. it everybody's at different phases of their career. So starting out, PFT is not the sexy part of respiratory care. But, you know, your life changes. You're wanting to have a little bit of a normal schedule. There's not a lot of, I mean, roles that have normal schedules in respiratory care in the hospital itself. So looking at those different types of things, but it's definitely interesting to see the opportunities that are out there for different people. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, just to play off what I was saying, too, is you know, humans make decisions based on the amount of pain or the path of least resistance. Right. So I just I get out of college. I need a job. So I'm going to accept any respiratory job that's going to hire me. And they're paying me enough for me to live the rest of my life. And I just kind of go down this path of I'm uh, doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing. It's paying the bills. I don't have. It's not causing me, my job isn't causing me a lot of pain and it's, it's easy for me to work at X hospital because I already work here. I know the charting system and that's just easy. But in reality, you don't know what you would prefer. Like, do you, you know, do you want to go down a path of, you know, starting up a new pulmonary rehab program? Maybe you want to do that. You know, what drives you? Do you want to make more money? You know, do you want to go do something that, that makes more money? What do you want? And you're, and you're not going to know that unless you go and try to experience everything and, and really know what's out there and, and broaden your broaden your horizons as, as a respiratory therapist. Well, Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to be with us today and give us insight into the industry. 
and how if somebody was interested in getting there that they could awesome yeah 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 anytime i'm always here to to answer questions like i tell everybody if you you have a question ask me if i don't know the answer i'll I'll get to somebody like you that might know the answer (laughs) all right well thank you very much you have a good day and uh get to sleep (laughs) 